It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every yes, day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackman. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. I've enjoyed doing this show for several years. This is the first one I haven't looked forward to doing. No offense to my guest today, Lindsey Crosby, the Auburn banker himself. Uh, I would ask how you're doing, Lindsey, but I know how every person affiliated with this show uh, is doing after Saturday's debacle. But I'll ask anyway, how are you on this Monday? Um, I'm feeling very grateful that your show is sponsored by Frisky Whiskey. I'm a... <laughs> yes. I'm a... As you were definitely need definitely needing that today. Yeah, you were pouring some uh, some dirty water into a uh, into a glass there. Um, all right, let, let's let's jump into it, Lindsay. Let's talk about this. Auburn falls in a, a very historic Iron Bowl, twenty four to twenty two. Went to four overtimes. I'm kind of surprised. I guess I knew this, but I didn't really like it. Didn't register. But it's like, yeah, okay. Auburn's never gone. Uh, you know, to to an, an Iron Bowl has never gone to overtime, which is interesting. This one obviously went to four. Um, probably wouldn't have gone to four if it wasn't for the weird new overtime rules, but that's a discussion for the offseason. Uh, as, as, um, as far as what happened on Saturday, I've never seen the fan base feel the things that they did like they did Saturday night with the exception of maybe losing the national championship in 13. But this is one, Lindsay, that is going to hurt for a long time. Yeah, um, definitely want this one back. It was... uh, So, all week, I had, whether it's on the radio show or it was here or just in our Discord, talked about this game was either going to be incredibly close or we were going to get boat raced by 30. And my personal thought was it was going to be a butt whooping. Yeah. I knew the potential for this to happen was there. I knew that this wasn't a complete Auburn, uh, complete Alabama team. It was just a bunch of athletes playing together. But I didn't believe that was going to happen. And during the game, I started to believe, okay, we can do this. And as we all know, that's when you get hurt. And um, this one's going to hurt for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the whole thing when people are trying to comfort you, it's like, well, at least it was close. At least you didn't get blown out. And I think a very common response is like, it would almost have been better to get blown out. Obviously, that's not true. Obviously, that's not the way, you know, things are. Because people say, you know, hope was is in, you know hope was installed in the fan base during that game, and it was taken away from them. But I think you can look at this coaching staff now and say, okay, despite being vastly out talented. I mean, the talent gap between these two teams was tremendous. Ooh. They were able to to push it. I mean, just looking at those wide receivers and like I know Jamison Williams got ejected and all that. You know, is the offense better with Jamison Williams in it? Probably. I mean, he's incredible. So uh, probably so. But still, the fact that I mean, you know, the joke is like you're when you lose. Uh, if Alabama loses a guy, they just replace him with another five star, and that, that's essentially what they did at the receiver position there. But I mean, I've just never seen players 
leave it all in the field like that. I mean, that's an expression that we hear all the time. Like, you know, oh, they played hard. They left it all in the field. I don't want to hear that expression ever again unless it's like like what we saw these Auburn players after the game. I mean, guys like Chandler Wooten right. and Derek Hall. There was a scene that, and I'm sure this wasn't the only one, but CBS kept showing Derek Hall after the game, and he's being, you know, it looked like family was around him. I assume it was family. Um, but he was just kind of taking a knee there after the game. And, <laughs> I mean, that dude had, the, like, literally played the game of his life. I mean, he was incredible. He made a lot of money. And we'll talk about guys that really, you know, performed well. But he he left everything he had on the field. And I can't wait to talk to Chandler Wooten later in the week. Like, that is a guy that left it all in the field for his team. And that's an expression that I now realize is extremely overused because those guys poured every ounce of their soul into Jordan-Hare Stadium and into this fan base on Saturday. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I mean, watching football growing up, one of like I knew one of the best weekends was rivalry weekend. And it was because you saw like there was so much more there was so much more passion there, but at the same time, it was one of the only times when you felt like either team could win this game almost every year. And this was definitely one of those I mean, they they have better players than us at every position. Yeah. I mean, even if you take, I think take our running backs versus their running backs. I mean, they 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 match up so well against us, and it should it had no business being anywhere as close as it did. Yeah, well, Auburn has and, four guys that may start on Alabama. Maybe Tank, Roger, Owen, and Zacoby. Maybe. maybe. I don't even know if you know. I mean, that's a maybe, maybe three. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a maybe. Um, and it's to do what they did. You can't ask for anything else from, from the players. And there's nitpick stuff that people are going to quibble about. But I've heard people talking about Tank Bigsby should have gotten down on that run. And it looked like he was trying to and he got thrown out of bounds. But the players did everything possible to win this game. And honestly, I mean, I'm amazed that the coaching staff called, for, for the most part, as good of a game as they did. Uh, to keep it as close as they were. It just wasn't quite enough to overcome the talent gap. But yeah. the big thing that I'm taking away from this is all the reports we saw from our friends at On3 or anywhere else about all of the recruits that were there and how every single one of them talked about Ooh. this was the best atmosphere I have ever been in. This is like this was the most amazing experience, most amazing game I've ever gone to. This is the kind of game, there's no moral victories. In college football, there's not, not in the SEC. No. But the silver linings on things is now when Brian Harson calls on some of these 2023 20, guys, 22 guys, 23 guys, and they were at this game, they're going to be just as likely to choose us as they are to choose Alabama because they know at the end of the day, that's what I'm signing up for. Right. And so there's no moral victories, but there is a silver lining. The silver lining is this may be one of those galvanizing losses for a program. If we follow up on it, we recruit it, we build our guys off of this. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned the environment. Obviously, I mean, it got to the third overtime, and I've seen Auburn fans be like, okay, this isn't even fun anymore. So I was like, let's just let's get this over with one way or the other. But the it didn't seem that way at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It seemed like that was an incredible place to be. When the lights turn orange, 
at like the start of the fourth quarter and they do that thing where like their phones sync up with everybody and it does that like light wave thing. That's one of the coolest things I've seen in like live sports. And I've been to a lot of really cool sporting events and Auburn is really way ahead in regards to that. And just, I think Auburn does a really good job with once you're in the stadium, uh, they do a really good job with the game day experience. I think their stuff outside of the stadium is debatable, but the stuff inside the stadium, I think they do a really, really good job once the game starts. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, uh, a lot of money was made uh, with folks that play daily college fantasy prize picks. Uh, you can go to prizepicks.com. They're the leader in daily college fantasy sports. They will still have bowl game action throughout you know the next month and obviously with the conference championships this weekend. Uh, be sure to to do that. Um, I, I was in Ohio this past week, and so whenever kind of I, I was stuck watching the game, maybe I didn't want to. I'd get on Prize Picks. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know much about this team, but I'll take you know the over on this, or you know this running back's going to get 12 and a half fantasy points. Sure, I'll do that. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Be sure to check out PrizePicks.com today. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get a 100% instant deposit match for up to $100. Just use that promo code Locked On. That's at PrizePicks.com, or you can download it in your phone's app. So just search Prize Picks. Also, uh, today's show brought to you by our friends at Frisky Whiskey, Lindsay. I think this is the most fitting sponsor we've ever had on a uh, specific show, as you yep. are drinking profusely. On this podcast, that is a joke. That is a joke. But uh, seriously, Frisky Whiskey is not a joke. Frisky Whiskey, uh, they, they have the best range of deals on any types of alcohol, whether it's whiskey or vodka or uh, beer, wine, whatever you want, they've got it. And they've got it at incredible prices. So be sure to check out Frisky Whiskey. It's about 15, 20 minutes away from the Auburn Opelika Lee County area, right when you get into the state of Georgia. Um, outstanding selection. Absolutely. All right, Lindsay, let's talk about some of the things that happened in the game. Let's zoom, let's zoom in a little bit here. Let's talk about TJ Finley. I thought he looked fine at first, and then I don't know how to I don't know how to grade him or judge his performance because the dude could barely walk and he is sacrificing his body to, you know, give Auburn a chance. And he looked fine in the overtime. I mean, that 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 touchdown pass to um Landon King was incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. This guy's got a cannon on him. You know, it's just, you know, if he can ever kind of get in the right spot, I mean, he, it's going to be great. And he's got the velocity there. Um, a lot of controversy about him staying in. This is now mm-hmm. the second time this coaching staff has played a quarterback that can't really walk. What do you think that is? What I mean, it looked like Grant Loy was ready to go in. It looks like if uh, he had not come back from the medical tent ready to go, it would have been Grant Loy that was the number three quarterback. I know a lot of Auburn fans upset that it was not Demetrius Davis, but here we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? So, if that's Bo Nix that gets hurt in this game, and TJ Finley's been in the program all year and he's been practicing you maybe see Auburn make the change. To me, not switching from TJ Finley to Grant Loy was a situation where TJ Finley's already spent all year as the two. Yeah. And he's had he's now he's had now two weeks with the ones. That's it. And so to take a guy who has been, I mean, with the threes and throw him in there, he's had virtually no one-on-one instruction, no detailed instruction. Because they've been 
all hands on deck, crash course, get TJ Finley ready. Right. And so I don't think you're, you would have seen a change as long as Finley could physically walk back out there simply because they just don't have any any knowledge whatsoever of what Grant Loy is, who Grant Loy is, his grasp of the offense. All they've seen him is is third string in practice, which from experience, half the time the third string is not even running your offense. They're running the scout team offense. Right. So He does have great so, hair, though. That's a thing with Auburn quarterbacks, man. We got some good-looking quarterbacks. There's no doubt. Um, but but Trey Lindsey, saw your paid. Are you kidding me? God, saw your paid, man. Jeez. Speaking of good hair, Rhett Lashley, new head coach, SMU. Wow. Good hair. Anyway, that? but um, but yeah, I, I think the not going to Grant Lloyd is just a simple matter of they've had no time to get him ready. They didn't have enough time to get TJ Finley, probably to the point where they wanted him to be. And there's just no faith. If it's something where Bo Nix is starting and Bo Nix can't go back out there, I think they feel okay putting Finley in because he's had some in-game experience and he's had practice time. Lloyd just hasn't had it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the drop-off from Finley to, to, to Lloyd is probably pretty big. I mean, we could have the converse, same conversation about, like, from a player safety standpoint, but, like, surely Finley wanted to be in there, so I, I'm not really going to do all of that. Um, unless yeah. you've got the something bigger, else you want to throw in there real quick. The bigger quibble I have with it is if this man can barely walk, why are you on the two-point try and then on the third every time we had to start going for two, why are you calling rollout? Yeah, they rolled if them the out, ma- yeah. I mean, I mean, I understand strategically why you do it, but it's one of those, the man can barely walk as is. Why are you asking him to do that when he's not going to be as effective? And you could argue that last um, incompletion that, you know, he had a, he had a, the receiver had a step was you have a hurt quarterback trying to roll out and throw right. on the move. He's probably a little more accurate if he's, if his feet are planted, but whatever. Well, and that's what makes it hurt a little bit more. I mean, I, I think if Finley stays healthy, Auburn wins this game, but also yeah. like, if Bo is in this game and Bo is starting, Auburn may win by two or three scores just because I think that the offense didn't need much. It just needed to get an extra first down every now and then to keep the defense, you know, a a little bit more energized. And I I just, it's tough, man. This is a tough one to talk about. I mean, I, I I mean, there's still so many things to talk about. The defense the defense was on the field for 88 plays. Right. And there's, there's 88 to 66 plays run. Yeah. There's like three or four different moments where I feel like if you either have a healthy TJ Finley or you have Bo Nix, that a drive is extended and you probably take a couple plays off of that count. Yeah. And I mean, and just Auburn's inability to get anything going on offense once Finley hurt his ankle in the second half. I think that's, I mean, that's a difference maker in this game. If TJ Finley stays healthy, we probably still win. They just couldn't do anything because he couldn't even drop back. We were doing nothing but shotgun from that point on and running out of the shotgun is not very easy to do as well. So there's so many, that's the problem. There's so many what ifs on this game. It's little tiny things, but football's a game of inches and it all adds up and it added up to just enough for Alabama to win by two on the dumbest overtime format ever invented so Alabama won by two in four overtimes they averaged 4.3 yards per play and note they had 22 more offensive plays than Auburn did Alabama had 4.3 yards per play Auburn had 2.4 so Alabama almost averaged two more yards per play had 22 more total plays and like Auburn had 22 rushing yards and on on 40 attempts 
and they 40 attempts and Auburn only lost by two. Like that is just, it's hard for me to like, look at the stat sheet to be like, what? I mean, that was one of the weirdest games in the world. I mean, you had what in the second overtime, you had Ben Patton kicking a 50 yard field goal and he made it. I mean, this game had everything. I mean, it, it was the, one of the craziest things I've ever watched. Uh, Alabama had almost 400 yards of offense. We had 159. Yeah. And it was a one score game. It was a two point conversion. Uh, can we, all right, can we talk about you're the underdog? Your quarterback is hurt. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he's already your backup. He's hurt. You're in the first overtime and you have the ball second. They score, they kick an extra point. In retrospect, Shouldn't you just take that two-point play and go for two and end the game right there in the first overtime? If you have a play, I'm totally cool with it. I, I mean, they did a throwback screen to John Samuel Schenker. That was wild. When they, had, when they had to get two points, and they got it. But if you know you're going to have to break that play out in the second overtime, right. and you have the advantage because you have the ball last, right. and you're the underdog, like most of the game, Auburn was playing from ahead. And so there's a strategic advantage there because, you know, you are the underdog. You don't have the talent, but you are ahead. Once you convert that extra point in that first overtime, you are now on equal footing with Alabama. How long do you think you can make it on equal footing? Take that two-point play, run at the end of the first overtime. Let's put it in the house and go home. Yeah, but if he doesn't get it, people want to fire him. People want to fire him anyway. That's true. I mean, you're an underdog. You, you you have to find a way to shorten the game. Auburn held the ball for a long time in the first half. Yeah. Uh, would have held the ball longer in the second if TJ Finley wasn't hurt, like we said. You got to find a way to shorten the game. That's the best way to do it. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Because I didn't really think about it while it was happening. Um. But then after the fact, of course, people were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I, I guess it does make sense. You just don't really see that a whole lot. And like, there's got to be a reason for it. But yeah, you're right, though. They had the play. Like the, they, Boise, sure. Boise versus Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. They did it when yeah. he was there. We didn't see anything like that, though. You know, we were talking about, like, all right, whatever they've got, they need to empty it. You know, empty the bag. Like, we didn't see anything. We didn't see anything. I mean, Auburn almost just lined up and beat them. Which yeah. is crazy to think about because the talent gap is crazy and ridiculous. So, I mean, props to this coaching staff. There's no question about it. Uh, all right, this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, the hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-the-kind financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA. 
Also, hey, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday. And Built.com is the place where you can aim and get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% site-wide and even, even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. I've been out of town all week. We came back uh, just to about an hour or so before we're recording this podcast right now on Sunday night. And uh, yeah, we went to check the mail. And had a box from Built Bar there. We haven't opened it yet, but I think it's their new flavor, vanilla, which is absolutely delicious, I'm sure. I'll give you an update later in the week. But yeah, be sure to check out all of that at Built.com and use the new promo code LOCKED20, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-0, LOCKED20 before it's too late. That's at 20, uh, 20% off, LOCKED20 at Built.com. All right, we talked about Derek Hall making a lot of money, but my dude, Roger McCreary, had one of the best games I've ever seen a college defensive back have. He was incredible, Lindsey. Absolutely incredible. He's credited with four pass breakups is what they gave him. Um, He had seven tackles. I think a bunch of them were solo. And then, obviously, he impacted more plays than that. I mean, they just kept throwing at him. And, I mean, obviously, he gave up some stuff because that's what you're going to do when you're playing against NFL wide receivers. But, I mean, he was... He made a ton. He made a ton of money Saturday. When I think about some of the the more prominent defensive back games in recent college football history, like I think of Tyran Matthew. He had an amazing, uh, was it a championship game or just a bowl game? But he had like an amazing, he was everywhere over the field. Sure. Um, this Roger game, Roger secured the bag on Saturday. Um I know there was a bunch of of scouts in attendance. I know it was obviously national thing. Everybody's watching. Roger McCurry was trending nationally on Twitter. I mean, he absolutely looked the part of an NFL cornerback. He would just continue the legacy of NFL cornerbacks coming from Auburn. And I can pretty safely say I think he put himself in the first round with that performance. Yeah, on and, Saturday. and I think he was already there. I mean. I- I, I read some NFL folks that said he was the number two corner going into Saturday. Um, I think he, I think you have to talk about him as the number one corner at this point. Do you remember yeah. earlier in the season, I had people commenting, saying like, you're way too high on Roger McCreary. And I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm not going to rub it in. We all got here. It just took us longer to get here. Some some folks more than others. And that's okay. That's okay. Welcome. You are a Roger McCreary truther. That is right. And I respect it. That is right. That is I'm right. going to be nasty to them for you. Um, that's fine. You can be mean for me. I don't care. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to stop you. No, joking aside. He was incredible. So congrats to him. Uh, Zacoby had a good game. Kobe Wooden had a good game. Tony Fair had. I mean, the defensive front. Derek Hall. Yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned Derek Hall earlier, but Derek Hall had the best game of his life. Mm-hmm. Derek Hall, I was kind of on the fence. Like, should he leave or not? He needs to go. Because if you could do it against Alabama, the NFL is going to be like, yeah, okay, you're legit. You can do it. I, this is not meant to sound like an indictment on the player. It's going to sound like that, and I apologize up front. I don't remember a game where I have seen T.D. Moultrie be this disruptive in his entire career at Auburn. Yeah, it was probably I his mean, best I, game, too. Yeah. I was I was re-watching today, and I only got about halfway through. I got, And then I was like, I, I got to stop. It was, this is too hard to watch. Don't watch, but, don't, don't watch the fourth quarter. It ends bad. But just like, one of my notes I got written down here is T.D. Moultrie's a maniac. I mean, he just, he was constantly run plays, pass plays he was and it, it it wasn't fluky stuff 
he was no, beating he was, left he was, tackles off the he edge. He was winning one on one matchups, which is something that we have not seen consistently this year. And it's the entire defense yep. just stepped up to another level. Yep. And I don't the okay, so I want to talk about the game plans on both offense and defense for a second. The defensive okay, game ahead. plan, obviously, we rushed four a lot. We played a lot of man. Um, a lot of the things that we've complained Derek Mason hasn't done to this point, he did, and it worked. And the offensive game plan, I want to clear something up. And we were talking about this on Sunday morning in, in your Discord for the show, you know, and we'll put the link in the show notes. Sure. But Mike Bobo is doing the best job that he can with the personnel that we have. And when people complain that we're not good enough on offense, they need to understand it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jim's and Joe's. And what it feels like, I mean, we have, it feels like our wide receivers are probably the worst of our skill position groups. And then our offensive line is, as we know, not great. And it feels right. like, like, Mike Bobo figures out, okay, here's what I think we can accomplish against this team. And he does it in the first half, and it works. And when they adjust at halftime, we don't have the personnel on offense. We don't have the protection. We don't have the skill at the wide receiver position to adjust off of that and do something else. And I don't think it's an indictment on Mike Bobo. You're going to have occasional play calls that you don't like. The fade against Penn State, we all complain about that. You're going to have play calls you don't like. Sure. But for the most part, Bobo has done a great job getting everything he can out of this offense that we have. Yep. Derek Mason, we've complained plenty. Derek Mason called if that was called the game of his life on Saturday. If that's who was calling plays, I've heard some conversation about that. But called the game of his life on Saturday, and it's really hard to be like to like you don't think any of the players let us down. They just it was a better team. It didn't work out. Some bad breaks. Um, we could have won this game. We didn't win this game. You can't individually blame any specific person. And if you try to blame Tank Bigsby, we will come find you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good, man. There. You're good. No, I, I think that's great. I do think the pass after Tank went out of bounds was a bad idea. I think that, that was dumb. Yeah, that was. You knew you weren't going to convert We've seen, that. There was a 0% chance you were going to convert that. Yeah, we've seen some 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 bad situational play calling. We really have. We saw that on the fourth down before the um, before halftime last week. We saw that on that fourth down play after Tank went out of bounds. Um, I feel like, especially because the clock stopped when he went out of bounds, you can't throw it. You got to run it. You got to. And I understand. Got to make use that last time out. Yeah. I mean, I understand we ran for less than a yard of carry, but you have to find a way to make them use that last timeout so they don't have it for that final drive. Mm -hmm. um, and I hate that the broadcast kept harping on Tank Bigsby not going out of bounds. And I mean, look, he's not the reason Auburn lost. But like, that no. was a major error. Like, if you're a star athlete, which he is, he is, an elite, he is elite at his position. Like, that's... And like, you know, especially when the storyline has been, why don't they go to him in key situations? And it's like, oh, I'm not saying that's why they didn't, but it's just like, man, tank. Yeah. It's not his fault. I mean, it's not his fault that Auburn lost, but it's like, he, he, sh he, sh he, he should have gone down. Yeah. It's, it's hard to like, he should have gone down, but at the same time, it's hard for me to say, yes, player, do the thing that you 
Like you never do. Right. You always are trying to push for extra yardage and fight for extra yardage. Yeah. And I mean, go it, completely against your nature at the very end of a game where you're exhausted. Right. Like, I can't blame them. Because if Auburn gets a first down, they win. And that may exactly. have been his mindset. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I'm sure but, that's something they're going to talk about for a long time. And mm-hmm. I hate it for Tank because, you know, obviously plays at the end of the game matter more, but they don't really, you know, like, I mean, the, catch the ball. I mean, there's a bunch of receivers. Like, there was a bunch of drops in the first half. Just, like, catch the football, you know? And yeah. maybe it's not even close in the fourth quarter. Um, maybe maybe don't have a terrible holding penalty on an Auburn uh, wide receiver blocking an Alabama cornerback when Jarquez is about to house a ball. Uh, that's right. But that flag came out, like, way late, too. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. It was a flop. It's crazy. Um, And then... I'm really glad Auburn went down and eventually scored, but that whole, uh, the face mask ear hole thing in overtime that like they threw the flag for and they're like, no, that didn't happen. It's like, what do you mean? Like if the announcers, and I said this, I said this for the last game too. If the announcers are like, yeah, you messed that up. You really messed that up. Uh huh. I mean, the, when it comes to the a face mask penalty, just in case you don't know, any sort of grabbing onto a part of the face of the helmet, the face mask, the ear hole, the strap. Right. You grab hold of any of that, it is the exact same as grabbing a face mask. It's like if you grab a dude's hair, it's the same as grabbing his jersey. Exact same rule. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Um, last thing, what do you think this game means long term for the Auburn football program? I think it means a lot. I think. So one, I think this is going to be one of those motivating things for some of our players. Uh, I hate to do this comparison, but do you remember hearing all that nonsense from Arkansas because they were mad about how they lost the game with Bo Nix and the spike? Sure. Um, I think this game, knowing how close they were to knocking off Alabama, I think this is going to be one of those things that they think about. And I think next year when you see this team go into Bryant-Denny, um, Alabama is going to be favored. They're going to be favored for a while. Um, but whatever it is, take Auburn to cover because I feel like Auburn's going to play up to Alabama's level in that game because of this. And I feel like recruiting, this is really going to help. I feel like you're going to hear some recruits. I know recruiting is not where we, where we want it to be. And you have to understand it's a multi-year process, but I think as time goes on, you're going to hear recruits, whether it's guys who sign with Auburn or guys who are interested and they're going to come back and they're going to reference this game. And they're going to talk about the atmosphere. They're going to talk about, the way that this Auburn team has not quit and continues to fight. And like you said, leave it all out on the field. And I think this has the potential to be one of those losses that turns around and galvanizes a program and pushes them into the next, next echelon of, of, of teams. I hope you're right. Echelon of, of potential. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. To me, it showed kind of what we thought, where it's like this, Brian Harson's going to have these dudes fight no matter what it is. And I think that's going to be solidified when we see a team play in a bowl game different than they ever did in the Malzahn era. I think we're going to see, that's why to me this bowl season is actually really important because I want to see it like culturally, is there this shift where like, I don't care if you're playing tic-tac-toe or hopscotch. You want to win. That's just kind of mm-hmm. what you get out of a Brian Harson team, I think. I think. And I, and I think we saw that this past Saturday. So I think it's just more proof that, of okay, this Brian Harson mentality is, is happening. Also, and I wrote about this on Auburn Wire, 
But I think it also shows that, you know, everybody, I was about to say outside the SEC, but really media everywhere, whether it's people inside the SEC or outside the SEC, talking about how Brian Harson didn't belong and like Brian Harson didn't get it. Because to me, it, I, I thought it was a little unusual how like the first few questions he was asked in that Christmas Eve presser when he got hired, they were all about Alabama, Nick Saban. How are you going to beat Nick Saban? And he kind of dismissed it. I think it caught, caught him off guard a little bit. And then he didn't come back to it until, you know, this past week. And in the back of my mind, I was asking the question, like, does he get what this is? And he does. He does. And that is that is a conversation and a talking point that needs to go away for forever. Brian Harson has shown that he belongs. He belongs in the SEC. Yep. He belongs at Auburn. Yep. And he belongs in the conversation of coaches with the potential to win the West, win the conference, and compete for national championships. Yep. That's what he showed on Saturday. I think you're right. Lindsay, how can people find you and hear you, my friend? I am at Auburn Banker on all of our socials in the Discord. You can uh, listen to me 7 to 9, Monday through Friday on News Talk WANI. And check out my stuff at AUShirts.com. AUShirts.com. All right, we will see you tomorrow for a Charlie Tuesday. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black. Be on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, please click that like button. Please click that subscribe button. And we will see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.